Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead. I'm your host, Zoe, with my partner in crime on the other side. Getting do, prepared to watch football coming Thursday. Oh, yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite uh, Thanksgiving traditions is eating with family and watching some football all day. It's pretty nice. Of course. I mean, who doesn't love that tradition? Watching the Detroit Lions every Thanksgiving, watching the so-called America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, and usually a kind of wild card team. And this year it's the 49ers and Seahawks. But before we get to that Thanksgiving talk, let's talk about this episode. This is 144 Wags for Hall of Fame. And you forgot something. What did I forget? It's a Black Friday game this week, too. Oh, yeah, there is. The Dolphins, I forgot against, I think Dolphins versus I think it's the uh, Jets. Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. Well, what a that is a Black Friday sale right there if you want to watch that game. Because <laughs> you're not even going to see Zach Wilson on the field. Oh, yeah. He's a third string. Third string now, yeah. Yeah. Um, number one overall pick going all the way down to third string. What a what a tragedy how it is working out for the New York Jets fans. But, hey, Aaron Rodgers is trying to find a way back. I don't know if you've seen that out there, too. Yeah, I saw. I don't think it's happening. I don't think so either, but episode 144, Wags for the Hall of Fame as the title of this episode because Billy Wagner, it's going to be not a full episode of talking about him, but we're going to talk and give our thoughts about why he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. This is going to be his ninth year on the ballot for the National Baseball Hall of Fame as it has been announced. Well, we'll get that here in a minute, but Astros Roundup, we'll talk about some front off office pieces that have been going on through this past week. There's been some moves from former Astros going to other teams and bringing in a new guy. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Jake Myers on the move, possibly. Do we see a trade happening with him? According to John Morosi, there are multiple teams out there talking about him. And then, of course, what's the stove cooking in the offseason? Because right now the hot stove, it's, it's kind of warming up. A little bit more, Angel. I mean, we there's been some trades. There's been some acquisitions, some signings so far. Um, and then possibly because the winter meetings are not that far away. It's about two, three weeks. It'll start in the second week of December, I believe. So we will have to get you all caught up for that. But before we start our episode, Angel, it is a Wednesday as our listeners are following this podcast episode. But we're recording on a Tuesday night. Obviously, Thanksgiving is on a Thursday. I got to ask you, since we talked about on Halloween, what was our favorite candy? You got to give me the dish. Give me that dish that you always need at a Thanksgiving family function. You know what? Give me some ham. I know everybody was saying, uh, yeah. I don't like turkeys big, but honestly, I'm, I'm a real big fan of some ham. And then give me some tamales for sure. That's, that's wow. Got to bring out the, the, the Mexican in here. Of I course. love it. I love it. Well, what kind of tamales though? Are we doing uh, pork or are we doing? You know what? I, I don't discriminate. I I enjoy all types of tamales, pork, chicken, like like as long as it's good. Even beans and cheese, like you know, whatever it is. Those are underrated, I mean, honestly. Yeah. Those are some underrated tamales. You know, you look like the jalapeno kind of guy though. Jalapeno oh, yeah. spicy with yeah, cheese. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Not for me. Oh man. I mean, like we talked about before, I think it was the last episode or two episodes ago that 
Thanksgiving is so underrated to me. I got to go with dressing. Ooh. I love me some dressings. And then plus a little bit of green bean casserole too with the, the French onions, that crisp with the creamy mushroom. Ooh, man. I'm already getting hungry over here. <laughs> Shoot. But, oh, and then I'll put a little icing on the cake. Some Hawaiian rolls. I do not mind some Hawaiian rolls. I, I, I kid you yeah. not. I could eat about half a dozen of them things. Just like that in a package. And it. And a shout out to my wife for making a mean uh, broccoli and cheese casserole. That's a hit spot. Yeah. My wife made a smoked ham. Oof. So Emma, Emma had to pop in right I, I, I was about to say, I already know. <laughs> but enough Thanksgiving talk, of course. Happy Thanksgiving to all of y'all since we won't be recording until the next week. But. Let's start off with our Astros roundup, and let's talk about these front office pieces that are moving through the Astros organization. Let's start off with the Mets. David Stearns has some ties into this Houston front office, and hey, he he brought somebody from this front office of the Astros organization, and he took him to Queens. So the New York Mets have hired Houston Astros scouting director Chris Gross to oversee – I don't know if it's Gross or Gross – Sorry if I did not pronounce that right, but he is overseeing their amateur scouting. It is believed his title will be vice president of amateur scouting. Uh, Gross or Gross spent the, uh, the last 12 years with Houston, including the last five, as their scouting director. I, I think it's a significant loss, of course, have you, as you've seen through the years of this Astros farm system from grabbing guys like Correa, Springer, or even developing like guys like Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Jose Arquiti. Um, I think it's a huge loss. And oh, right yeah. now, I think the Mets need somebody like that to help their system, you know, get better. I agree with you. And yeah, like we mentioned, like the big, like you mentioned the big names like Carlos Correa, but man, Scott, it like, it's what you do in the late rounds. What honestly kind of matters sometimes. And like how you were saying that like guys like Luis Garcia, and um, even Framber Valdez, um, even Corey Jokes, like guys you didn't think would be, you know, producing right away, but being able to see the talent in every single, you know, and in the people that the Astros get, like seeing that talent, like, get, like, like they might need a lot of player development, but they see that thing and it turns out really great. So, yeah, I agree with you. Huge loss because, again, Astros, like in recent years, haven't made, haven't signed that big free agent, or haven't made that big free uh, trade deadline splash, except for Verlander, right? But they mm -hmm. depend a lot on their development and these underrated guys that no one sees coming into the big leagues right away. Yeah, I mean, there's been, I mean, we can name a bunch, but hey, he'll be reunited with Ryan Clifford and Drew Gilbert. I mean, he'll he'll get to talk to them guys again. And then also the Philadelphia Phillies, the fine Phils, the guys that the Astros had faced in the 2022 World Series. They are hiring Rafael Pena, who used to be the Astros minor league hitting coordinator. Uh, he is now their assistant hitting coach for the Phils. He is coming from Houston, where he worked in the minor leagues for the Astros. So another big, you know, if, if I'm in that situation of him, but Pena, being in that minor league coordinator spot for through them years in the Astros organization and getting a big spot like this, a big position to be the assistant hitting coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. You're working with guys like Bryson Stott, Bryce Harper, 
Castellanos, Trey Turner. I mean, there's a bunch of great guys out there. Obviously, I think that's a big move for them because if you remember that last game, uh, game seven of the NLCS, they could not get their offense going. And I'm not saying that Payne is going to make a huge, significant jump and make a huge improvement to that Phillies team. But the Phillies just making their mark right now, letting people know like, hey, we're here still. We're not going to go nowhere. We're just going to keep upgrading. And we'll, we'll talk about what they just upgraded. And it's basically they just stayed with the same uh, starting rotation, too. Yeah, it's like when when you start doing good, a lot of people want to, you know, kind of like mimic what you're doing. And this is like a big and like this is why not, not just this year, but in recent years, a lot of other teams have been hiring Astro staff, right? Because then Brent Strong with Arizona, you know, just for like, like what they can that example is like when you got a good thing going, everybody wants that good thing. Everybody wants to like, you know, have success. So I think this is a big, this is the reason why the Astros again have built this dynasty have been known for their great coaching development. And it just shows you why that like every other team wants a little piece of that as well. Yeah. I mean, shoot, Rodney uh, Linares, that's another guy that, that could be a manager soon. But he's the bench coach with the Rays. He was a former coach in the Astros organization. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many guys. I'm trying to remember two at the top of my head, but I just completely just forgot them right now. Just, my gosh, my brain's just not functioning Alex right now. Alex Cora, but too. Alex Cora, yeah, another one. Joe Spot is finally getting his chance as the Astros manager. Omar Lopez, like I said, I think he'll be the Astros' next bench coach for them. So, I mean, the talent in this organization, then even the front office, that's where I was going to go with. Uh, Sigma Dale. Mike Elias, both went to Baltimore. David Stearns from Houston went to Milwaukee. So everybody's trying to get like analytical heavy, like the Astros front office is. And I mean, because the Astros started that, they started doing that with the Jeff Luno era. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And then, sure enough, look at what the Astros are doing right now. They're like a dynasty. Seven ALCSs, two World Series, what, four World Series appearances or five. So they're trying to mimic what the Astros are doing in their front office and, and like what they're trying to do as an organization and try to mimic, like you were saying, try to get the best players, get the best people that know about, you know, analytics, statistics, things like that. That's going to help their club get better and try to get like the Astros, try to cement themselves as a dynasty in the future. So very important, but you know, it just life goes on. They, and you have to see on that, on the person side of the Astros who were former people that were working there. Now they're getting better opportunities to work in the actual club, the actual major league baseball club. So big moves. Obviously there were some huge losses, but I mean, Dana Brown said too from the get go that he's going to be promoting some guys. And here's one of them. Astros are promoting Gavin Dickey as the new Astros farm director. This is per Chandler Rome. He was a four-star high school quarterback recruit. He backed up Rex Grossman, Chris Leak. You tell me who these guys are. I am not sure who they are. Rex Grossman was a quarterback for the Washington uh, Redskins, and, and he was like a journeyman in the NFL. Shoot, still, you're playing National League football, baby. So... Shout out to them. Before turning all his attention to baseball and a steady ascent up in the front office hierarchy. If you haven't seen this uh, article by Chandler Rome, obviously it's on his profile on X. 
And I mean, it's it really good. Uh, Michael Elias had to say some great things about Gavin Dickey. He said he's been reared in a very analytics oriented operation, but his job has been to retain some core baseball compass as a scout. And I think he's going to bring that to the farm system there. Obviously, the Astros farm system isn't the best. It's like what, ranked 29 by Baseball America or MLB Pipeline? So, so that's a start. And then you got a guy like Dana Brown who has gone through the scouting development, VP of scouting for the Braves. He's done a bunch of scouting throughout his career. Obviously, it's been a little different because of the analytics, but he even had some great things to say about Dickey, and this is why he promoted him. He said he played as a player. Uh, he played as a player, as in he played at the University of Florida for football with the Gators and baseball. You did not know that. So back to the quote, he played as a player and he understands the data and the information even more than I do. I thought a guy like that would be a perfect candidate. Being the farm director would be more difficult now because this is more of a data age. He came from scouting in an age where there was data. When I have to look at data now, I trust my people. I use my baseball mind and I use my people on the data. I use the data or data heavily and obviously like i was saying dana brown going through baseball in his career from seeing hall from the bigs and then working up as a scout scouting guys like max scherzer uh ronald not ronald cunha michael harris spencer strider all these guys von grisham from the braves era i mean he knows what he's doing but now since baseball is taking a huge leap which it's been doing that for years now in the analytics stage and the technology stage, I think this is a good move. Hopefully is a good move for the Astros because they're going to have to continue the success of their analytics. And because they're, they're bringing a guy like Joe Espada that knows about analytics and he's going to continue doing his best on his part. And they've had an old manager in Dusty Baker that had to learn the game through analytics and technology. So, I mean, give me your perspective. What do you think about this? You know, promotion, I guess you could say, for Dickey and having a guy that's going to be analytically heavy on baseball. I like it. And I like that it stayed within the department of the Astros because not not only do the Astros know analytics, but they know winning baseball. So mm. like, they know what it takes. They know what it, what's at stake as well. So I really like the hire. Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be good. Um, obviously, the first year is going to have some bumps, on, and that's any job you go to, in, in life especially. Whatever you're trying to do, you're going to have some bumps on the road. And don't be surprised if he doesn't have no bumps on the road. So it, it's it's not a sprint. It is a what long-distance run. What is that damn saying? God. Marathon. It is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You see, my brain is just not functioning tonight. My gosh, I'm, I guess I have Thanksgiving on my mind right now at football. We'll talk about that later. But the biggest thing of our episode is talking about Billy Wagner and Wags for Hall of Fame. We got to get that trending with that hashtag oh, yeah. Wags for Hall of Fame. Um, like I was saying, Billy Wagner is entering the Hall of Fame ballot for the ninth time. You only get 10, 10 what, tries, I guess you could say, yeah. to be on the ballot. After your 10th try and you're not over that 75% threshold, you're done. You got to be lucky for like a committee, which is the next step to 
try to put you into the hall. So real quick, this is what his credentials is right now. I mean, I've wrote about him a long, I think, what, maybe a year ago of uh, about Billy Wagner, why he deserves to be here. But real quick, let, let's go over his resume. Seven-time All-Star, 1999 Rolades Reliever of the Year, which they don't do those awards no more. They don't do those awards. Um, he has a 231 ERA. That is second among Hall of Fame relievers. 1192 strikeout per nine innings. That is first among Hall of Fame relievers. An 85.9 savage, third among Hall of Fame relievers. A 187 opponent batting average, first among Hall of Fame relievers. A 599 hits per nine innings, first among Hall of Fame relievers. 422 saves, fourth among Hall of Fame relievers, second among lefty closers. He's he was just behind John Franco with two. And then 997 whip, second among Hall of Fame relievers. And when you look at his stats and you compare it to the best that's in the hall right now, the Dennis Eckersley, the Raleigh Fingers, the Goose Gossage, um, Trevor Hoffman, Mariano, he is up there with those guys, especially with Mariano and Trevor Hoffman. That, them are the two best closers in baseball, period. No, there's no debate about that. Obviously, Mariano Rivera is the best closer of all time, but Trevor Hoffman, it, it's right there. He is number two just behind Rivera. But yeah, this guy, and we got all the stats right here. Uh, the 231 ERA, first among Hall of Fame relievers on the Astros tweet. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out. Uh, it, it's obviously there on their profile. But reading all those stats, it's very important for the committee to look at that because they're, now in this game, closers aren't like how they were back then. Back then, you could get about nine to six to nine outs from your closer. Now in this day of age, especially with the pitch clock now, you barely could get three. So Billy Wagner, I, I mean, he has a strong, strong case to get in. And then not just that, but it looks into the future of closers. Because next you got, right now you actually got um, K-Rod, which his first name is... Francisco. Francisco Rodriguez, correct, thank you. You got a Rodas Chapman in the future. You got Craig Kimbrough in the future. And you got um, Kenley Jansen in the future. All those guys are close to 400 or at 400 saves right now. And their their careers are probably going to be over, I'd say, about two to three years from now. So solidifying Billy Wagner into the hall, that's going to help the future of closers, I'd say, get into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Angel, do you have anything to add on about Wagner's case to be in the hall? Yeah, it's due time. Like, there's only there's only eight relievers uh, in the hall of like, in Hall of Fame history. He has a chance to be the ninth, and I don't know. I like I don't know what's taking so long for Billy Wagner. Like, you just read the stats. He's out of those like, like compared to those eight Hall of Fame relievers, and again, there's eight, and he's like top four, like at least top four in like most categories. Like you said, he was first in two of them, second in, um, in three and four of them, and then third and one, fourth and one, right? So what more can you ask for? Like, you know, so I think I think he's done enough. I think what's stunning him is he didn't win a 
like a World Series, but a bunch of these guys don't win a World Series and still go to the Hall of Fame. So it's it like it's due time. I think I think this year he does get it. If not, he'll make it. Like like if not, he'll be like an Edgar Martinez. We makes it in his last year. Oh, Edgar Martinez. Yeah, that that was. And and then who you got? Well, we'll talk about the Hall of Fame ballot, but real quick, I, I got the. Oh gosh, look at look at that. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. But real quick, yeah, th- there it is. Uh, obviously, this is from the Astros Twitter account or X account, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy has been there from the days at the Dome all the way to Enron Field <laughs> to Minute Bay Park. And then uh, obviously doing more with the Braves, the Phillies, the Mets. Um, yeah, I mean, this guy really deserves to be in the hall. He He's already, like you said, it shouldn't be taking this long. But real quick, the voting progression has been really great for him. 2016, 2017, and 2018, it didn't even look like he was going to get over 15%. 2016, he had 10.5%. 17, he had 10.2% going down. And then 2018, he had 11.1%. Right there, if I'm in his shoes, I'm like, okay, there is no way I'm going to get in the hall. There's just no way, especially with the numbers like that still in like 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, the rest. Okay. It gets interesting right here. 2019, 16.7%. 2020, this is the biggest jump right here. 31.7. 2021 comes 46.4. 2022 comes 51%. And then 2023, 68.7 percent there is a strong chance he will get literally at the 75 percent plateau either right at 75 or just under with 73 to 74 obviously i already asked you is he hall of fame worthy will he get in this year do you think after you know listening to me talk about the progressions of his voting through the years there is some huge jumps in the uh, like in those progressions throughout the year, so I would say yeah, I think I think he and Todd Helton and Adrian Beltre get in this year. I do too. I think them three, if not, well, I'll actually add on another. I think Andrew Jones okay. makes a big jump this year. Dude has fifteen gold gloves or ten yeah. plus gold gloves, stud. So, well, we'll come back and show another uh, picture of the Hall of Fame ballot, and we'll, we'll go from, um, you know, we'll talk about our 10 people that we would vote. Obviously, we can't vote, but, hey, let's have some fun with it because, you know, we got, there's some writers and journalists out there that don't even vote. And if they do vote, they only vote for one person when they have 10 entries. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're going to hashtag that. Wax for Hall of Fame. Let's get that trending on Astros Twitter. But let's move on to the last part of Astros Roundup, and that is Mr. Jake the Rake Myers. Is his rake on the move? Do we see him going somewhere else? Well, John Morosi, of course, he works with MLB Network. He had said Astros have discussed Alfred Jake Myers and trade talks with multiple teams in recent weeks. Myers, who is not eligible for salary arbitration, had a 678 OPS in a career-high 112 games this year. I'm already going to ask you this question, Angel, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I could read your mind through it. Is Jake Myers getting traded? 
Oh, yeah. I think so. There's a surplus of outfielders, especially with the resurgence of Mauricio Dubon and Chas McCormick in center field. And you also got uh, Corey Jokes had a pretty good season. Yeah, like towards the end, you know, there's some uh, rookie or growing pains, if you might want to call it. But yeah, and then you got Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, right? So there's a surplus of outfielders, too many. So I think Myers is the odd man out. And I don't know. I feel like the Astros, I feel like for Jake Myers, you can get like a good relief pitcher. Because, again, those are always in the, mm-hmm. in, like, in the market. Like, like I'm not saying with Jake Myers, you're going to get like this top name <laughs> like name guy, right? But mm-hmm. like, maybe if you add some pieces, you know, there's a chance. But I think like I think what they'll look for is either like a relief pitcher or even like, a, like, or, like an utility guy. But I think more likely a relief pitcher. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. What are you looking for in a package for Jake Myers? Uh, I'll go with you on that as well. I think a relief pitcher. Obviously, the Astros are still looking for a backup catcher, which there can be a possibility just to maybe a $900, $1 million signing. But you could, like you were saying, you can make a package out of it. You can throw Jake Myers in and throw maybe two more prospects for – you know, a name that the Astros have been looking at for a good while, Alex Verdugo. Because obviously Boston needs some help in the outfield. Not just that, they do need some help in pitching. So that, that could be a possibility. And like you're saying too, with um, with the Astros already having Jake Myers, not Jake Myers, Chas McCormick, Mauricio Dubon, you could have guys like Corey Jokes. And then plus, I wouldn't be surprised if they sign an outfielder this year. Maybe Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Maybe Teoscar Hernandez. There, there could be some... You know, possibilities there that the Astros can look at, but I, I think that's certain he's probably going to be on the move um, either before the winter meetings or at the winter meetings. He's going to be done. Yeah. I say soon. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, the Astros haven't been cooking in the hot stove the, uh, so far. So, um, but I know it, you're about to go over that right now. There's, what is still getting all the ingredients, you know, ready? <laughs> I think that's the thing. I think that's the coolest thing about Dana Brown is how he has everything just hidden because no one expected Joe Spotter right there. And then that Sunday that he was going to be the the next manager and Monday, you know, obviously having the press conference. So I like how he, he, he kind of lays low on his, you know, talks about, you know, to the media and things like that. So, hey, did you see that? Uh, well, speaking of keeping everything hush hush, right? Or did you hear that? Uh, Shohei Otani is trying to keep all his free agent like meetings and stuff that private. And if like something gets leaked, he will take that into consideration if he signs there or not. Smart, it's a smart yeah. man. And the man was on GQ cover for a reason. Hey, but if you're a GM going after Shohei Otani and he's and he wants to meet in Japan, you better fly a plane. You better find a way to get that plane. You better have a license to fly a helicopter, <laughs> private jet, try to get somebody out there to go talk to that man. Because obviously there's already a lot of people throwing their pitches out there for him. I'm sure he'll sign soon. I don't think it'll be uh I don't think it'll be, I, I don't think it'll take long, but the market will surely change once uh, Shohei Otani signs. But he also said he's the they, they what he's cool with a short term deal, long as it's you know pays well. Too, so do you think it could be a Cody Bellinger one year? Then you uh, you know you test out. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I mean, he's keeping his options open, which is a good. Thing. If that's the case, Houston, let's go. 
What are you doing? Get on a plane right now, Jim. Get on that plane. Exactly, right? But <laughs> speaking of, you know, Shohei Otani got this pot cooking that gets boiling, but, you know, it, 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 it gets continuing. So I know you were talking about Billy Wagner for the Hall of Fame, so let's stay on that topic real quick. So the, the, the 2024 National Hall of Fame ballot is out. So we have a few first-timers. You know, there we go. Perfect. Thank you for that. We have a few gotcha. uh, first-timers, which is Agent Beltre, Joe Mauer, Joe Mauer, Chase Utley, David Wright. Hey, well, when you're when you're reading these, sorry to interrupt you. Do you yeah. feel like you're getting older by the oh, yeah. like day, dude? I'm like, when I was reading these oh, names, yeah. I'm like, wow. We used to watch these guys. Yeah, especially Chase Utley. I mean, he had a lot like a career. Like I remember that slide that almost cost the five. I think that's I think, I think that's everybody when they think of Chase Utley. <laughs> and then uh, Bartolo Colon, uh, Matt Holiday. Mm-hmm. Adrian Gonzalez, El Titan, you know, in Mexico, great for that one on that one. Jose Bautista, hopefully Rugner Dor doesn't get in with him. Jose Reyes, <laughs> Victor Martinez, James Shields, and then Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips is the one that also wow, it's, it's been that long. Hold on, I got I gotta get a bat. I I gotta get a bat for this one. You have it? I have a bat. I have a bat. No, it was like hold on, I gotta put my mic down. It was, it was something like, it was like, oh yeah, it was that crunch little downward. It almost looked like Jeff Bagwell getting so low on his knees, but that bat, my gosh, it was like this, almost doing some Gary Sheffield type stuff right there. I, I feel like Gary Sheffield, Albert Fulhouse, and Braden Phillips had the most mimicked uh, batting stance as you're growing up playing those like backyard games and stuff like that. Oh, that number the go-tos, dude. Especially Gary Sheffield. Oh, my gosh, that it's all hands right there, baby. Yeah. But uh, and then so yeah, I mean, I guess we are getting old because you know like those were the <laughs> those were the guys we uh, saw growing up. But those are the first timers. Like, like when like, if you look at the screen, you know there is some others that have been there, and then um. Like for example, Todd Heldon, Jimmy Rollins, Francisco Rodriguez, like you mentioned, Alex Rodriguez as well. But there's ones, there's some players that are really close. And you, you mentioned Billy Wagner as well. He was like a few votes off. But Todd Heldon as well, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, and Carlos Beltran are a few, are a few of the players who are close to Cooperstown. Now, give me your like top, let's say like five or seven that for sure you want to see in the Hall of Fame. So five or seven, if we're going for sure for the hall, obviously Adrian Beltre's one. I think Joe Mauer gets in too. MVP season, Silver Slugger, uh, stayed in his hometown of Minneapolis, being with the Minnesota Twins. So um, yeah, got two right there. Um, let's go with Todd Hilton. He he was seventy three percent or seventy two seventy one last year. I think he gets in. Billy Wagner, of course. I've made my case for him. Andrew Jones, which I said, 10-plus gold gloves. And then he was the youngest rookie to hit a home run in a World Series game. Crazy. But, yeah, then five. Carlos Beltran, I say yes, even though that whole cheating scandal stuff, one of the best switch hitters in the game, period. 
you can even put Lance Bergman in that conversation because Bergman really didn't get a shot at Cooperstown. But that's six. If I had to look at one more, because my gosh, it's so tiny in our screen. Uh, man, Dean Francisco Rodriguez. Like I said, he has 400 saves. He was one of the best closers in our generation when we're, you know, obviously growing up watching baseball in the 2000 eras. So I think, I think he has a great shot. Like I said, if Wagner gets in, there could be a strong case for him in the future. Okay. Now, let me give you my five or seven. I don't know. Like someone, like, like oh, somebody yeah, you got to give seven now. I gave seven. All right. You gave seven. Right. Match so, me. Billy Wagner, Agent Beltre, Todd Heldon, I think, get in this year. All right. Okay. So then I say Omar Vizquel, I think, really underrated. Love, love the defense. He's a wizard. Bobby Abreu is another one. Bobby Abreu? Dude, Bobby I completely Abreu. forgot about him. Give me – I agree with you and Francisco Rodriguez. And then I'm I'm, I'm torn between Joe Maurer or David Wright, but I think Joe Maurer had a little better career, so I'm going to say with Joe Maurer. Oh, no, you know what? No, 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 no. Did I say Andrew Jones? No, you didn't. All right, scratch Joe Maurer and put Andrew Jones in there. Okay, we're putting – Dude, you honestly could have gave out ten right there, or even eight, yeah. or even nine. You had to. You see, I think that is kind of difficult now, just like being on the other side of it. Yeah, because at the same like, time too, you got ten entries. Yeah, it's like, I mean, if you want to do, all right, we'll give me three more because you do good three. You oh, okay, you two. want me to give you three more? Yeah. All right, I'll give you, um, like I said, Omar Vizquel. Give me. Let me see. What was? It? Besides Bobby Abreu, give me Bobby Abreu, and then give me Big Sexy. Give me Bartolo Colon, just for just for the vibes, man. I, Colon made the game just more fun. I think if you were a teammate of him on the other side, I think everybody just vibed with him. I'll never forget the video that surfaced around social media that day when he had his first home run <laughs> in his like what twenty something year career yeah. with the Mets. So, all right, give me your three. I already gave three. All right, so then I'll say David Wright. Okay. Manny Ramirez is another one. And Love then, me some Manny. I don't know. This, this last one's a tough one. Uh, I'll go with Beltran with you on that one. You go Beltran. I would say Jose Reyes, but because I looked up to Jose Reyes when I was growing up. but I don't uh, think he did enough. Yeah, I don't think it's – He's not qualified for. It. And then know, the I would say Alex Rodriguez, but you know that whole like it. My so case that, is if Barry yeah. Bonds didn't get in, he yeah he doesn't deserve to get in either. Yeah, so that that stopped me from saying Manny Ramirez for that reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, none of us said. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's a good ball player. I mean, he did too. Then he had. Go with PEDs and things like that. I want to say. I think. That's the hard part about this Hall of Fame. It's like a bunch of guys that's in the Hall has done. I want to say PEDs. Well, I'm sure before they they, the whole epidemic started, I'm sure there was uh, like a few of them. And then I don't know. Like like there were some players that were that their pitches were like ranch hands or something like that. So they went throwing like nothing but fastball. So it's just like. I don't know. 
Not sure, but January 23rd, that is the day. I, I want to say 23rd, but in January, I know for sure, is when they announce the Hall of Fame. Uh, I believe voting is already starting. It's going to start in December. So, mm-hmm. eyes. Got to keep your eyes on those. Obviously, sure. fans can't vote, but just keep a close eye on the votes. Yeah. And then we got some more MLB awards. I know we talked about Rookie of the Year, and we talked about um, – Cannon gloves, gold glovers as well. But now we got manager of the year for the National League. So, you know, to me, I thought it was Troy Lovello because that's who I predicted to be uh, a coach of the year for the National League in our beginning podcast, if you if you recall. But I'll say uh, so Skip Schumacher actually won, which I don't know. I think Miami did make it to the playoffs. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember. Who, I'm trying to remember who I was, who I had. Skip Schumacher did a great job, though. Yeah. I, he deserves it, honestly, because no one had the Marlins going to the playoffs I, I, besides I, I, Miami. I think what he did with that pitching staff, too, I think it was a little uh, like underrated for the Marlins. I think he kept them in a bunch of games as well as their offense. But American League, I think it was – I I think this one was pretty obvious for the American League. It was Brandon Hyde uh, oh, wow. b- being able to take the Orioles from a bottom-tier team to winning the division. It's – that's, I mean, that's pretty remarkable, if you ask me. I want to say I had Brandon Hyde too, but not that 100% sure. Right. I, I'm, I had the, I'm, I'm right now as we're talking, I'm going back to see in our drafts and <laughs> our outlines who did we have. So I know I had Trey Lovello for sure. I don't remember who I had. I can't, I can't remember who I had. For, I want to say I had Bob Melvin for National League just because of the, just because of the, of the Padres. I mean, everybody expected them to do good. But it turns out he, and it turns out he was fired, so yikes. <laughs> but the Cy Young, Cy Young winners in National League, it was Blake Smith, Blake Snell, my my fantasy pitcher of the, of the year. God, and then, God, you see, there, there, there we go. We got to throw some fantasy baseball in here. Never fails. You, you might as well throw out fantasy football after this episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I actually don't want to talk about fantasy football, but I know Lawrence definitely does not want to talk about fantasy football right now. Not but. in the league that we're in, yeah. <laughs> but continue, continue, continue. In the American League, it was former Houston Astro and now New York Yankee ace Garrett Cole for the American League. And honestly, I think Framberg just had a good chance if he didn't just completely, like, I don't know, like, fall apart in the second half of the baseball season. Like, I don't, like, I don't know what happened to that dude, but... He had a good chance, but Gary Cole, like Gary Cole, deserved it. He was pretty consistent throughout the year, and you know, great pitcher. Okay, so I found it. Okay, talk to me. Manager of the year, you had Tori Lovello, and you had Brandon Hyde. Oh, congrats! Congrats! That. Congrats! Two for and two. for me, not two for two. You got one for two. Oh, you're right. You're right. One for two. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I had Bob Melvin, which, like I said, the, the Padres. Guess who I had for AL Manager of the Year? Dusty Baker something. Not even close. But it is in our division. Um, oh, the Mariners coach. I had Scott Service as yeah. the Manager of the Year. <laughs> wow. I know a lot of Astros fans out there listening to the pod is not going to be happy about that. You know, what if I had the little boo, uh, like, what a sound effect I'll be pushing it right now. No, just give me that. That just give me that look right there. 
um, but yeah, I mean, who 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 was the next one that you were talking about again? Sorry about that. Cy Young, it was Blake Snell and Gary Cole. Yes, sir. Okay, so Cantu, you had Sandy Alcantara yeah, going back to back. That was terrible. And you had Shohei Otani as the American League. Me, I had Corbin Burns. And I had Shohei Otani as well. So none of uh, us so had hit on that one. She was good. Yes. Yeah, we both didn't do well on that one. What about MVPs? Let's see who we had. All right. Announce first who we had picked. See if we're correct. National League MVP. Angel, you had Juan Soto. Lorenzo, you had Manny Machado. American League, we had Shohei Otani. You, you best believe we had Otani. <laughs> so, we so had American we League. Went, yeah, we both went for two because the National League MVP was Ronald Acuna Jr. And honestly, he had a fantastic season. That was well-deserved on that one. And then AOMVP, Shohei Otani. So we know that one for sure. Yeah, there, there's nothing new with that. But I think that's pretty much wraps up all the awards for the season. So I think MVP is the last one. But you know, I think the I think the Astros need you know, a step up because we besides uh, besides um, Todd Tucker, there was really no Astros awards. So I think that's you know, I did, yeah, I did, the hardware. Yeah, hardware. Yeah, sure. well, Tucker did finish fifth in the AL American League MVP voting. I think that's a big finish. Yeah, he finished fifth. Yiner Diaz finished fifth in the Rookie of the Year voting, which Astros have done a great job being in the category of top five Rookie of the Year, uh, Rookie of the Years. So I think that just stands to what the Astros farm system have done in the past and maybe continues on into the future. So we'll have to see. We did have Comeback Players of the Year, but obviously they haven't been announced yet. We both had Chris Bryant from the Rockies. And we both had Anthony Rendon from the Angels, which that did not plan well. That that was terrible because Anthony Rendon does not want to play, I guess. And then Chris Bryant. No. Chris Bryant almost missed the whole season again with a back yeah. injury. That's Anthony Rendon, so yikes. Yikes, yikes, yeah. yikes. Got to be better. We got to be better. Oh, yeah. We'll be better this time around next year for sure. Now, again, we had some big names in the free agent market and st- and Ernola was one of them, and he's returning back to Philly. He agreed to a seven-year, $172 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, and that's crazy because he did turn down more money from other clubs to stay in Philadelphia. So I guess, you know, what they're saying, like what a lot of people say is true, is that that Philly fan base is different, Jane with the Phillies is different, and it goes to show because he's not the first uh, – of current Phillies to take more money just to be in Philadelphia. So what do you think about that? It's crazy. But, I mean, they, they got something to cooking over there. Like I said, one went away from the World Series to go back again. Uh, I think they could have had a better shot than the Dimebacks. You know, no offense to D-backs fans. But, um, I mean, the Phillies pitching, bullpen, the, the bats, I mean, they, they were – that looked like a World Series matchup to go against with the Texas Rangers better than the Diamondbacks, but I think it's good. It's just going to be more competitive in the NL East because, I mean, the Marlins, they fall for a wild card spot this year. The Mets, they ain't going anywhere anytime soon. I think if they don't trade Pete Alonso, and then obviously you got the Atlanta Braves still out there, um, you know, 
being the dynasty that they are right now, which I'm, I'm they're not even considered a dynasty, but I mean, the players that they have, my gosh. Yeah. I want to ask you, Zay, what was the Cardinals' biggest flaw this season? Pitching. Of course. And so not having what... Yadier Molina. That's so it. that's what they're doing this offseason. Well, tell me. Talk to me. They're, sign- they're signing some pitchers. So the San Luis Cardinals agreed to a one year, $11 million deal. With a, with a 225 option with Lance Lynn. And they also signed Kyle Gibson as well. So that's already two pitchers that have been signed for St. Louis. Again, they're trying to bolster up that uh, that starting pitching because that was a huge flaw for them. And the reason, you know, because everybody had them winning the division and El Centro, and that they almost finished last, or if they're not, they finished last. So one of those, I'm not too sure. I didn't look it up. But yeah, so they're working on their pitching. I'm sure there's more moves to come. You know, again, it's still early, so I'm sure they're still looking around. I, I thought I saw a tweet out there that showed their their rotation, but I, I can't find it. But, it, I mean, signing Lance Lynn, which I don't think he's not a bad signing, but Kyle Gibson, on the other hand, you signed two guys in their mid to late 50s, and you got to compete in that NL Central still. Well, and they still got a good team too. For sure, for sure. And then there's a team out there that's been projected to win – you know, going to fan graphs and, you know, whoever you want to do your projections to that have been the past two years and this year as well are fa- have been the favorite to win the World Series, and that is the Atlanta Braves. And that hasn't turned out, re- re- like, really well for them. So guess what they're doing? Cleaning house, making moves, right? So the Atlanta Braves acquired, agreed to a three-year, $30 million deal with Renando Lopez, is a right-handed relief pitcher who was with the White Sox. And he was, and honestly, he was doing pretty good. Like, like this past year was a come up year for him because he's been struggling uh, in recent years. But he showed great progress this year and then earned himself a thirty million dollar contract. Right, so uh, good for him. Well, they're also kind of cleaning house, right? The Atlanta Braves acquired left-handed pitcher Aaron Bummer from the Chicago White Sox for Michael Soroka. Jared uh, Schuster, Nicky Lopez, and a guy we're familiar with from our days at AM, Brandon Shoemake, and right-handed, a right-handed pitcher, Riley Gones. Now, again, I don't know. I think the Atlanta Braves kind of got fleeced there. What do you think? Because I don't know. That's Man. for – yes, I know that left-handed pitchers are scarce, you know, especially off the bullpen. But to give up that much, I don't know. What's your outlook on that? I mean, Aaron Bummer better be throwing over 100 with a wicked slider with the nasty curveball, too. Shoot. Um, yeah, that's a big haul that the White Sox got. I mean, Soroka, I think – I honestly think he's still good. He He's had two Achilles uh, injuries, but I don't think he's that bad. Nicky Lopez did a pretty decent job with the days in Kansas City and even his time with the with the Braves. But um, Braden Shoemaker, obviously, we've seen him in college, how he plays. He's one of the best left-handed hitters I've seen in, you know, growing up and, and at least watching college baseball, at least. Um, so that, that's an interesting move right there, too. But a lot of pitchers and a lot of infielders, which the White Sox do a lot. They really need a lot of infield depth. Obviously, Tim Anderson ain't going to be there. Uh, you, no one knows what's the story with Johan Makata because obviously the White Sox have said they're open for business. So if you want to throw a trade out there, throw it at them. They're going to see if it's good for it, you know, for the benefit. 
and the future of their organization, or they just hold on. Yeah, so I think this move comes because Brad Hand, Kirby Gates, and, you know, even Eddie Rosario have elected free agency. So I think, you know, they're trying to replace those slots as well. So, but I don't know. I, like, I think it was, you know, I, I guess it is a seller's market because that is, you know, they have to know it's a pretty high price to pay for it. Yeah. Okay, real quick, real quick. Do you think they needed pitching or do they need hitting? Obviously, I'm, I think I can answer that one for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason they didn't win is because of their pitching. Because, I mean, that lineup was taxed and relief pitching, uh, to be a little bit more specific. So I think, I don't know, if, like, I'm not going to call it a desperate move, but I'm calling it, like, more just to reinforce, like, reinforce yeah. their bullpen after those losses. But speaking of Atlanta, they will be hosting the 2025 All-Star Game. Uh, the Braves will host the Midsummer Classic. In 2025, this will be the first All-Star game in Atlanta since 2000. And if you don't recall, the Atlanta Braves had a bid, I believe, in 2021. Yeah. And they MLB decided to move it to L.A. for – I honestly forgot the reason. I think it was Colorado. like some political – Oh, was it – oh, Colorado. But I think yeah, it was for like some political reason, uh, like if I'm not mistaken. But mm-hmm. it's been 25 years. So, I mean, I guess it was due time in Atlanta – is a beautiful stadium, you know, beautiful atmosphere out there. Yeah. So I think be, like, be, being exposed to the All-Star game will be great. And you know what also that brings, that brings, that might mean either Ronald Acuna Jr. or Matt Olsen participated in the home run derby. So, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Hint, hint. I think the Astros are due too later. Yeah, they are. Good. I think it was like 05 last time. Yeah. So 23, you got Dallas, you got Arlington. 24, no, no, no. 24, you got Arlington, Dallas. 25, you got the Braves in Atlanta. And then you got 26 at Philly with the Phillies, Philadelphia. I want to say the three years right there, it's going to be, it doesn't have to be in order, but it's going to be Baltimore, it's going to be Boston, and it's going to be Houston. I think them are the next teams. Yeah, I want to say. Don't they switch out? Well, 2021. Where was uh, 2019 was well 2019 you know 2019 was in Washington 21 was in Colorado 22 was in LA that was three straight oh, NL yeah. teams right there you're right you're so right, 23 right. you'll have 23 23 was just recently the Mariners 24 coming is the Rangers and then 25 will be the Braves okay. and then 26 would be um the Phillies. It'd be yeah. American, American, National, National. So I wouldn't be surprised them three American League teams could get uh, a bid for an All Star game. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, you know, baseball is America's pastime. So you know, a lot of rich history in these baseball teams, going from like the like the Brooklyn Dodgers, and you know, like they moved to Los Angeles. Now they create this history. Now. Oakland Athletics, I know you got guys like Rolly Fingers and Dennis Eckersley, Ricky Henderson, all that history that, you know, the Oakland, three World Series titles as well, like all that history that uh, the Oakland A's leave behind. Well, now they're moving to Las Vegas, so they're rewriting their their history book there, and they'll be known as the Las Vegas Athletics. And they will look to move in 2028. So what does that look for? So, so what does that mean for 
Oakland Athletics. What that means is that they don't have a stadium right now. Their contract mm-hmm. with the Oakland Coliseum or Ricky Henderson Field is up, right? So what I've seen around is that they will be playing in their AAA field. I think, I believe that's in Reno. No? Reno. Reno. Reno, right? Reno. Mm-hmm. So they'll be playing in their AAA field or they'll be playing in, uh, I think it's 18, uh, in, in, in San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken. Oracle Park. Oracle Park. There you go. Mm-hmm. In Oracle Park. And, you know, obviously they'll play their away games out there. So they'll be homeless for a few years into 2028 until they get their stadium. There will be no more possums. And honestly, I would have liked to just go look at the stadium, but I've heard so much, like it's almost like a waste, which is really sad. I feel like there's a lot of history, like you were saying, with that stadium. And then for all, like all those people who have completed the 30 stadium, uh, you know, milestone. Well, you get to add one to your bucket list because there'll be a new stadium in Las Vegas. Las but, Vegas is on the come up, dude. Yeah, I mean. And then Oakland losing all their teams, it's crazy. Feels so bad for them. Brutal, yeah. And just to close off the show, you know, just to get your mind thinking, you know, to get you processing what might happen, like what could happen and what you want the Astros to do. There has been some non-tender free agents who are free to sign to whoever they please. We got first baseman Roddy Tellis, who was with the Milwaukee uh, Brewers. Starting pitcher Brandon Woodruff. Now he is hurt, but still elite pitcher uh, again for the Milwaukee Brewers. Outfielder Austin Meadows, right-handed pitcher Spencer Turnbull, and right-handed pitcher Lou Trevino are all non-center free agents. So I don't know. Like, does anyone speak to mind that the Astros should get, or you know, just at home if you're listening to us, you know, what do you think? You know, just take that kind of process. What do you think, though? I would look into maybe kicking the tires on. Brandon Woodruff and Rowdy Talis. Um, the Astros need a backup first baseman with Jose Abreu. I think he'd be a good backup first baseman. Also, he's a left-handed hitter. He's a power hitter as well. Uh, I think 315 or 325 in right field would look good for him instead of over there in Milwaukee. I want to say he's like 330, 335 around there. But Brandon Woodruff is the biggest name out there, I would say. Yeah, he's not going to be able to pitch in 24 because of uh, a terror. I don't know if he has to redo Tommy John again, but obviously he can't pitch the 24th season, and that's the reason why the Brewers let go you know, of him. So I would try to, like I was telling you off air, I think you're going to have to make a contract that's structured around not just him, but the team itself, whoever's signing him. Team control, obviously you give him a, maybe a short-term contract, two to three, four years being an option. Uh, I think this is could be a sneaky move for whoever, whatever team out there. If it's the Braves, if it's the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rangers, whoever's out there trying to, you know, get their starting pitcher, starting pitching more, you know, bulk up. I think this is a good move. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Woodruff signs with like a team like the Miami Marlins or even the Cubs, like teams that are like still developing, you know, they got a year or two in front of them and then, 2025, you know, be part of that, you know, trying to make that postseason run. But I do agree with you with Roddy Tellis. Um, for the Astros, again, the Astros need a backup first baseman. Um, and he has that pop. And I think 
Minute Maid Park is a is a hitter's ballpark in that aspect because it tends to, you know, just as Jordan Alvarez, the ball tends to fly down in any any dimension of the ballpark. But I'm gonna say Lou Trevino as well. I think he's an established. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Um, like I think he's an established relief pitcher. Astros fans had uh has have seen him with the Oakland Athletics, and I think mm-hmm. he's one of those bright spots with the A's too. So, and he's been around, veteran guy, leadership experience, and you know. Yeah. That's a guy you want in your bullpen. Yeah, especially if when the Astros are losing Hector Neris, or maybe they're not. Maybe they could get a deal with Neris, but if you have to go safer, like you're saying, Trevino's a good one. And the guy's a veteran. The guy's been there. Obviously, he had a great um, – he did a great job over there in Oakland. I want to say in the 2019, 2020, 2021 era with the A's. I think that's a good move because obviously the Astros do need some help in that bullpen. Uh, they're going to be losing Stanek. They're going to be losing uh, Maton, Neris. Uh, they're going to be losing a lot of guys. So starting with Trevino, I think that'd be a good move, like you're saying. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Honestly, this podcast was longer than I expected. Yeah, I mean, we, we started debating about the, <laughs> trying to pick out our 10 uh, Hall of Fame ballot. Um, and then we've also imitated some, you know, you know, some swings out there. <laughs> But that's that's the reason why it's the off season is just to calm down, not you know, just have some fun with y'all. And if you're watching, thank you for tuning in. If you're listening, thank you for tuning in as well. Uh, also, before we head off the show, Padres now have an official manager being Mr. Schill. Yeah. Mike Schill would be the manager for the uh, San Diego Padres. All thirty Major League Baseball teams have now a manager. So just want to throw that out there. And, uh, of course, that's the end of our show. Continue to follow us at Full Seam Ahead on Twitter, on X, uh, FSA, Full Seam Ahead on, on uh, Instagram, Full Seam Ahead on, on TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Threads. You already know we're still there. And, of course, the podcast platforms from Apple to Spotify to Google, wherever you get your podcast out there. Let us know how we're doing. Obviously, it's the offseason. It's going to be a little slow. There's not a lot of people tuning in because it's not baseball season. But, hey, we're still going to give you the best coverage. We're still going to give you the best content out there. And then we're also trying to plan out some different ways to engage with our audience, possibly looking maybe at an MLB The Show tournament, maybe, you know, doing a Twitch channel with you all talking about the show, making, trying to do something fun with y'all. We want to engage with y'all as much as we can. But Angel, you have anything else before we sign off? No, just, you know, every time I tell you we have big things coming, I've never felt y'all one. So just stay tuned. Big things coming. Yeah, well, we'll try to get some special guests on the show as well in the offseason, make it, try to have people tune in. So other than that, y'all have a safe, Bless Wednesday. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Celebrate with your family, your friends, whoever you celebrate with. Happy Thanksgiving from us to y'all. And we will talk to y'all next week of the next podcast. Peace.